Assalamu alaikum and welcome to Umtalha Speaks podcast. Um, this is a special episode that's outside of any kind of seasonal structure for the necessity of the topic. Um, inshallah, today we'll be, just, we'll be discussing what is going on in America. Um, since I've moved to England, I've kind of understood that many people here don't really understand the historical context of the Black American experience. And as such, a lot of what they see on the news, in the media, is really quite foreign to them, and they're unable to connect a lot of dots. Now, just from a a very basic general history perspective, um, I don't really understand that because a lot of the African American experience in America is directly due to British hands from a history perspective, but also from the angle of general discrimination and general oppression, if people understood the plight of African Americans in America, they would much better be able to identify and understand what is actually happening with minorities in their own country. Um, whether that's England, whether that's Australia, whether that's France, any colonizing nation uses the same tactics in order to oppress the people that they need to keep underneath. And none of that is new. Now, just as a basic history in why British people ended up in America, there was an issue with a group of Christians called the Protestants in England that weren't happy or satisfied with the persecution that they were facing from the Church of England. So when they went to America and quote-unquote discovered that country, which meant that they killed off an entire population of people that were already there, which are known as the Native Americans, they went to America as a form of fleeing whatever persecution that they were facing in England due to their religious beliefs. So the start of America was persecution that people were facing in England in the first place. Now, when they went and found this massive country with so many resources and so much potential, they wanted to take as much advantage of it as they possibly could. So they needed people to do that. They needed hands to do that. So what they did, which is known as the Atlantic slave trade, was they went to Africa and primarily the west coast of Africa and either netted people in that they would place nets down and trap people in nets and board them on these ships or they would coerce certain people in order to round these Africans up um, much of the time using alcohol. Um, so they would sell alcohol in trade for people, for bodies, and thousands upon thousands of Africans were shipped to America as labor, as free labor. And they were taken unrightfully as slaves. And how much of that is absent from 
British history and just the normal British person's understanding boggles me because that was Brits. And even they would stop sometimes, like the ship would come north from Africa, stop in England for whatever supplies it needed to pick up, whatever people it needed to pick up before it continued on to America. There's a slavery museum in Liverpool that has actual shackles that were used for these Africans. So this was the start of Africans in America in the first place. Now, although this was the start of a certain journey, it was the end of any sort of cultural tracing, any sort of ancestral tracing, because all of that was literally beat out of these Africans. Their names were changed. They were prohibited from speaking their languages on the plantations. They were separated. So families would be separated. One of them sent to this plantation, one of them sent to that plantation, specifically to erase any sort of history that these people had. Now, it's important to understand that the people who are known as the founding fathers of America, who wrote the Constitution that is still the main piece of legislation and law in America, were slave owners. Their understanding was that these Africans, these Black people, were not complete humans. So when they were writing their laws, these people had no consideration. So all of the laws that were originally written, they were written for white people. Black people had no standing. They had no right to vote. They had no right to own property. They weren't part and parcel of the original legislation of this country in the first place. Now, when the civil rights movement happened, when slavery was outlawed, the government didn't know what to do. Where do these people stand in terms of rights in this country? Because by this point, the laws of separation of church and state have been well embedded into the Constitution. The right to bear arms had been well established in the Constitution. So what does that mean now for these Black people who we don't want to have rights, who we don't want to have a right to bear arms? We need to have some sort of control over them because they're not equals anyways. So they tried, which is the case with any sort of man-made laws by saying, okay, Black people will have three-fifths of a vote. So you need at least two Black people to make up the equivalent of one white person's vote. This was, this was as best that they tried because... If your foundation is built on inequality, you can't seek to find equality in a system that was founded and thrives on inequality. And we also have to bear in mind that this system is relatively new. 1776 was the official independence of those colonies in America from England. That was when They've established, okay, we are our own country, completely separate from England. These are no longer British colonies. That's barely 250 years. 
in terms of history and empires, that's a relatively short amount of time. So when you talk about changing ideologies and changing views and perspectives, 250 years is not a long time to go from believing that these people are worse than animals to all of a sudden expecting that they're equals and their viewpoints matter and their opinions matter. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen. So even when we talk about all of the discrimination and institutionalized racism that exists in America now, it's not that different to slavery. Because what happened in slavery? Slavery, there were Black people working for free, unable to have any form of influence in policies or government. They didn't have a right to property. They didn't own property. So when we think about how things have changed since the civil rights movement, or since the civil war, excuse me, the civil rights movement was, was much later since the civil war. But then if we do talk about the civil rights movement in the 1950s, the 1960s, what were black people still protesting for and marching for? They were marching for equality and using public transportation. They were marching for equality in schools, being able to attend similar schools. So it's the same concept continually throughout history that these people are not equal. And to break down that concept of what exactly does institutionalized racism mean? It's not that a white person looks at a black person and calls him the N-word. It's not that one white person looks at another black person and thinks that he's less than him. No, what it means is that in the foundations of that society, black people are not able to succeed in the same way that white people are. So when we talk about the very beginnings of school, for example, it's very well known that schools in primor primarily black neighborhoods, they're not educated. The children there are not educated to the same standard as children that are in white areas. And the way that they break it down in the states is that the education system is funded by property taxes. So when you own property and live in your own house, you pay taxes on that property, which is the situation for a lot of white Americans. But for black Americans, it's not the same. M many black Americans are housed in government social housing, so they don't pay property taxes. Therefore, their education system is not to an equal standard. When you talk about things like the prison system, where the vast majority of prisoners are African-American men, even though African-American men are a minority in that country. But when we talk about the inequality of prison sentences, that you can have a white man and a black man commit the same crime, but a black man is convicted for it at a higher rate and his sentencing is higher. I mean, these are things that have a lot of documentation and evidence for them but it gives a deeper understanding to the person looking from the outside what is going on. 
So what we're witnessing today with Black people rising up and protesting for police brutality and the excessive killings of Black individuals in America, it's the same protest that has been happening for all of Black history in America, is that we are unequal, we do not mean the same, our lives are not of the same value, and therefore can be taken, and there's no care in the world. So to see the protests and to see the uprisings, this is the extreme. It's people have been pushed to their farthest. They no longer can handle to bear this level of discrimination. And especially because it's public now. So previously, it's been well known in Black families that you tell your children, be careful when you go outside. If a cop gets involved with you, don't be aggressive. Speak to him in a polite way. Don't demand that you know your rights. All of this, these are things that Black people train their children in because it's well known that you do face discrimination when you go outside. And it's it's just, there's no solution. So when we see the protest, this is the best that people have because you can't find the solution in the system. Now, one of the things that completely blindsided the American government was the uptake of Islam by Black Americans. Now, at this point in history, around the 1930s, the 1940s, at the the height of the civil rights movement in America, many of the Black Americans started to learn about Islam and realize and identify that Islam truly does have the answers for inequality and injustice. And when we look at figures like Malcolm X, figures like Muhammad Ali, these were prominent Black figures that found answers in Islam. And that's a problem for the American government because much of how African Americans are kept where they are from a government perspective are things that are haram anyways. So whether that's alcohol, whether that's drugs, whether that's high interest loans, all of these things that are used as control tactics, Islam frees itself of that. So when African Americans started to embrace Islam, it came with a very new sense of freedom for them. And it's well known about Black Muslims in America that at this time, they their jobs, they had many of them very specific jobs. So they would sell certain food in the street um, to make a halal source of income. One of the main concepts of this movement was to free themselves from relying on the government 
and they it was praised very highly praised to marry and to have many children these are all things from a government perspective of trying to control people this is problematic but what the original what is known as the nation of islam what they lacked was true authentic islamic knowledge um, now whether that was from the inability of learning with true scholars um, or their own interpretation either way this faction didn't last for a very long time in the states because the muslims started to identify and recognize that what we are practicing isn't the same that Muslims all over the world are practicing because part and parcel of what their beliefs involved was this big difference between white and black. And Islam has none of that. So you see as as the Islamic movement in America amongst the black individuals progressed, you saw them starting to split off. That some of them started to learn with a sheikh from this country and followed their ways. Some of them started to learn with a sheikh from that country and followed their ways. But in any case, what this led to was black Americans started black American Muslims starting to mix with other immigrant Muslims from different countries that had had Islam in their history for a long time. So now you have black muslims who've converted to islam who've embraced islam anew attending primarily arab masjids where they're looked at as you don't know anything about islam we don't really know anything about you in our culture people like you are looked down upon so we're going to look down upon you they'd attend pakistani masjids the same thing they'd even try and go to african masjids whether that's Somali, Sudanese, what have you, there's this idea of us and them that we're different. African Americans have never been accepted as complete Muslims on a, a grand spectrum because they're different. They have their own history they have their own cultural identity and in as much as they strip that away when they embrace islam there's still history that you can't erase from people people are brought up in a certain way they have a certain way of speaking they have a certain way of dealing with people because that's how they're brought up islam doesn't dictate and say that when you speak you have to speak with this specific tone as opposed to that specific tone or this specific choice of words as opposed to that specific choice of words. And many Muslims find black Muslims to be intimidating. Black Muslims are raised to be strong. Even when you see small children, one year old, two years old, when they fall down at the park, what's the first thing their mom says? Oh, you're all right. You're all right. Get up, get up, get up. It's okay. It's okay. They're raised from a very young age to be strong and their strength is intimidating for many people. 
So when we talk about solutions, how do we actually fix what is going on here? How do we actually solve the problem to this issue that Black Americans are facing at this moment and have been facing ever since they were brought over to that country? It's not in that system. That system of the laws and the convictions and the sentencings and all of that is flawed. The answer truly is in Islam. But this requires other Muslims to gain a deeper understanding of the Black American Muslim experience because that is something very unique. And when we talk about supporting Black Americans and supporting Black Muslims, it's giving them that opportunity to be heard. It's giving them that opportunity to explain their experiences and explain their behaviors. And from an angle of truly wanting to understand, not from an angle of, all right, we're going to put a black person on our board so that we can say that we've got a black person on our board and it's over and done. No, truly appreciating everything that has brought this person to where they are now, all of the struggles that they've endured as a general term and what they have to offer you, what they have to offer your family, what they have to offer your community, because it is a lot. So yes, there are a lot of funds out there. There are a lot of sites that you can go to and pay money for the people who have been arrested for protesting and all of these types of things that are known as actionable points, that this is what we can actually do. On the ground level, what you can actually do is listen, is listen and, and believe when people are telling you that they have been treated this certain way. Believe them, support them, stand up for them. When you see people treated in a different way in your workplace, don't stand for it. Don't brush it under the rug and think, oh, well, maybe my job, maybe I'll lose my job, or maybe my manager will look at me in a different way. Stand up for it. Because what Black Americans are facing now, they've stood up. They said, we're done. We're tired of this. We, we've had enough of this. And any country that has a minority population that is marginalized and oppressed will ultimately face the same thing. If they don't assimilate to the way that the majority group wants them to, they will ultimately face the same thing. And racism and oppression is the same regardless of where you go. So for the Muslims in England, I think the biggest thing for me is really open your eyes and look around and see why are things in this country the way that they are. When you look at the education system, how many people in high positions are people of color? When you look at the medical field, how many people running hospitals are people of color? Yes, many of the doctors are immigrants that have 
been called over because there's not enough doctors in this country, but how many people making choices, how many judges in this country who are involved in convictions and sentencings are people of color? These are all things to really be aware of and challenge. It's not just, okay, well, I'm just going to sit back and be quiet and just go on with my job and just go on with my day so I can make sure I get my paycheck and just live my life and move on. It's got to be bigger than that. It's got to be bigger than that and more of a concerted effort that we support each other in this and we're not just going to sit by and let injustice happen. And I guess that's where Black Americans are now is that they're they're not accepting for this injustice to happen. No, they haven't necessarily found a solution, but they've surely been loud enough that people are now at least looking. People are at least now aware. Now, a solution, that's a much different issue. But at least, inshallah, I hope this helped people understand a little bit better where all of this came from, because it it can seem from an outsider's perspective that all of a sudden it just seems like one man got killed or, or three people got killed and then the entirety of America is rioting. It's been years of buildup and people have reached their limit. Um, if you do have any any questions or comments, please do get back on our Instagram page, Um Talha Speaks, um, so we can really start to have a discussion and think about solutions that each of us individually can take to help the issue that, that is currently happening in America and for us to know that many of our Muslim brothers and sisters and our human population is struggling and how that can impact us in our lives where we currently live in the UK. We'd really like to hear from you, so don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Umtalha Speaks and send us across any message or feedback, um, any questions that you may have, so we can incorporate that into this podcast.